Ugh, I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hands down, the one I recommend is needed, so I'm thrilled to say that if you use the code BIRTHFUL at thisisneeded.com, you can get 20% off your first month of needed products. Needed is the number one nutrition brand recommended and used by me and over 4,000 practitioners, from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. Needed is for anyone trying to conceive, pregnant, postpartum, and really, this is goodness you can use even before and beyond the perinatal years. Along with prenatals, Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support to a lactation support plan, a stress and sleep support plan, and a gut health plan. In fact, I've had clients rave about Needed's pre- and probiotic formula, saying how much better it made them feel compared to their usual probiotics. And to me, Needed's hydration support packets, which only have ingredients you can pronounce, are a must in any doula or hospital bag. Also, Needed's prenatal multi is available in capsules and easy-to-take vanilla powder for those with nausea or pill fatigue. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. 
Hello, Mighty One. We have got another lovely Brit story for you today as we continue on our break from topical interviews. And you may remember that we are doing that from now until September. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we continue on our birth stories for the summer series. Criselda Fernandez is here to tell us about her three-day-long birth that she describes as amazing and transformative. Find out what helped her get through the frustration of not knowing when it was really going to start and how tearing was the one thing that caught her off guard. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be. Thank you, as always, for all the love you give the show, the messages you sent me, telling your friends about it. I truly love and appreciate it all. So thank you, thank you. All right. So today on the show, we continue with our birth stories for the summer series. Hopefully, this will help balance out the dramatic and often scary view of birth that is so often presented by traditional media and... uh unhelpful strangers. <laughs> so today's story comes from Criselda Fernandez, who lives in Sydney, Australia, and she wanted to share her fabulous story of prodromal labor. And those are two sentiments that don't often go together. So I can't wait to hear all about it. Criselda, welcome. Hi, Adriana. Thanks for having me. It's great to share my story. Oh, thank you so much for being here and want and agreeing to do this. She wouldn't. So you sent me um, with the request to share the story. You also sent me a bunch of pictures of yes. your birth. And oh, my goodness, it looks like such a fabulous. We were commenting before we started recording that it obviously birth is hard, but I was struck by how much smiling and laughter there were in the pictures. I think it was just my personality coming through in good. the in the birth, which was really good. Yeah. I could just relax and enjoy parts of it. I'm so glad. So let's jump right in. Tell me a bit, though, tell me how did this all start? And um, it, you said it was a really long birth. So how did you even know you were in labor? Um, it started with when I was 39 weeks. Um, I had a pregnancy massage on the Tuesday afternoon. Um, the next morning I woke up was Wednesday. I felt a bit off, really uncomfortable. And I felt like I had some like period back pain. Um, just really hot and cramping. Um, that morning as well, I went to the bathroom and I had lost my mucus plug. So I knew that was a definite sign that labor was approaching. <laughs> um, we called the midwife at that point just to let them know that things were progressing with the mucus plug. And they were like, oh, that's fine. You could have a baby, you know, tomorrow or in a few days time. Just keep going about your day and relax as normal. Um, During that day, that's when the contractions started. So they really just started really slowly and weren't really that uncomfortable at all. Um, So I just went about my day as normal. I tried to walk around a lot. That was one thing I wanted to keep doing was keep like keep active, keep upward, keep moving around with each contraction. Um, but, um, by the end of the day, when my partner came home, she was like, oh, we better start timing these. These are starting to get more regular. So we timed them and they were actually starting to become every 20 minutes and then every 10 minutes. 
So once they hit every 10 minutes, it, they stayed that way pretty much for all of uh, Wednesday then all of Thursday <laughs> and then until Friday morning. I actually had my scheduled 40-week midwife appointment. Um, during that, actually that morning, um, I was really exhausted because I hadn't had any sleep. Like I couldn't really sleep. Like I'd rest through between the contractions, but I couldn't actually fall into a sleep at all. Right, because they're coming every 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So when I'd start to doze off, there'd be another contraction again. And so with each contraction, I actually had to get up and I would move to the end of the bed and I would put my uh, head down and sway and, and sway my hips and really focus on my breathing at that point. And then my partner would also apply counter pressure to my back. And that's the way I could find I could get through each contraction by doing that. Mm-hmm. That's because they were uncomfortable enough for you to, you can't, you couldn't just ignore them. You had to focus during them. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, um, basically I kind of, cause I was so exhausted. I think I just had a moment and I kind of broke down, um, and started crying and saying, I can't do this anymore. I'm so over this because it had been the, the two days already. And that's when, uh, my partner really she kind of grabbed me and refocused me and said, you know, I really believe you can do it. And I think at that point, you know, I knew I had to keep going. There wasn't any other way. So I just kept remembering that I would say in my mind, surrender, surrender, and I would just let go. Um, and I think that really helped with my mental focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I went to the the midwife appointment. And, of course, because I had changed environments, the contractions had slowed down. So I actually had a contraction before I went into the appointment, but during the whole appointment, they were actually waiting to see because I wanted to assess, you know, where I was, how far along I was, um, but I didn't have a contraction at all. So they thought I was just having some some cramping. <laughs> and you're like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. So they, they sent me home and they, they gave me some Panadine, which was like a, a you know, pain-killing drug and said, you know, take the panadine and try and get some rest, try and get some sleep. Um, but if you're having real contractions, this just won't work. It won't take away the pain. Um, after the midwife appointment, I actually went to my acupuncture appointment because I've been doing acupuncture all throughout the pregnancy. Uh, and I found that really helped. So I actually sat down in a chair and had the acupuncture needles put in, but then I thought the contraction started up again. So I would have to jump up and my uh, acupuncturist would would actually do the counter pressure on my back to help. (laughs) So that was really good. Um, But they started up again every 10 minutes and she was like quite excited because she's like, this is really progressing along. And she was really happy to actually give me acupuncture because she's so into birth as well. And she'd never given acupuncture to a woman in labor before. (laughs) Mm. I find that that it's funny that you bring it up because, um, you know, when you have like days of, of birth like this that you're talking about, that things are kind of going but not going and not jump starting. I I find that an acupuncture field trip can be really good. So I, I love that you're, the, you know, you're in the same boat with that. Yeah, a lot of stopping and starting. That's how it felt like it would just stall. Yeah. Um, and just got kind of a bit frustrating. But uh, I think I think acupuncture really helped help things progress because when I went home that night um, at about 10.30 after contractions every 10 minutes, uh, I jumped up with one of the contractions and I actually felt a pop and my water broke and it was just relief at that point because I knew things were progressing. <laughs> yeah. 
So that was at 10 p.m. So we called the midwife again um, and she was just like, stay home as long as possible. And then you can come in in the morning at 7 a.m. to have a, a check and assessment then. And we're like, okay. So we just kept on going. Um, I, I think I, I kind of wanted to go in, but I was happy. I, I knew that it's better to labor at home where you're most comfortable rather than in the, the birth center or hospital. Um, so I think after that, the contractions started to really ramp up. So they were coming every three minutes, sometimes two minutes, sometimes one and a half minutes. And I could feel they were getting like quite a lot stronger and longer as well. So I'd really have to, it would take all my focus to, to get through each contraction. Oh, and when we called the midwife, it was really funny because she, she wanted to speak to me to see if I could talk through a contraction. And she actually said to me that you're too polite to be in labor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which I just, yeah, I just always remember that. So, and I mean, hearing that at the time was kind of frustrating because it's like, yes, I'm in labor. I've been in labor for three days. Right. And I think it's that distinction, I can't even say the word, distinction between early labor and active labor. And I think, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, So I kept on going through the contractions at about 3 a.m., I started to feel an incredible pressure in my back and my bottom and I started to get really panicky and um, that's when my partner noticed, okay, I think we better go in. She noticed a real change. So we called the midwife again and she she was really reluctant but she's like, okay, you better come on in. So we went to the birth centre and um, just set up the room and I was just – walking around and still doing, going through my contractions. And then um, she did a check to see how far along I was. And when she did the check, she said I was six centimetres dilated and that my cervix was completely soft. So, I, you know, I thought I did a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so then after the check, I think I just she, – I, she actually suggested or kept suggesting to get in the bath, but I – I don't know. I, I wanted to have a water birth and I, I knew that I would get in the bath at some point, but I was just really focused on walking through each contraction and, and doing the hip sway. Um, I did try and get in the bath, but I thought it was too hot and like really uncomfortable. But then eventually I got in and I stayed in um, and I there was a bar above the bath and I was like, what is that there for? But then I realized because what I did was I grabbed onto the bar and it really helped when I started pushing because I just focused, faced the wall and just focused and held onto the bar for dear life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So basically, yeah, I went through a bit after that. I went through the pushing. Um, It took me a little while to get a hang of that, but, I mean, it was just an hour and a half, and then Lily was born. Yay! Welcome to the world, (laughs) Lily. Yeah, it was really good. Fantastic. Let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, I've got so many questions for you. Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. 
Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com. That's drmombuttbalm.com. Or look for it at Amazon.com. With Mother's Day coming up fast, are you looking to get your mom, grandma, or mother figure a gift that they'll actually love? You know, something that is treasured instead of dying out or collecting dust? If so, you need to know about mylifeinabook.com, which is a service that helps turn their life stories into a beautiful book that can be passed down. How amazing is that? And the process couldn't be easier. Basically, if they can use email, they can create their book. Every week, My Life in a Book will send them an email with a prompt question to get them started. And if they don't like the question, they can easily edit it or change it. We gave a My Life in a Book to a family member that always wants to document all family get-togethers through images. And let me tell you, the process of sending the gift was super simple, even letting us choose the date we wanted the gift to be sent. I'm so looking forward to discovering stories about her youth, her adventures, and the challenges she has overcome. And since My Life in a Book lets you add an image with each answer, she can now share the story that goes along with her many photos. Another great thing is that the answers can be edited at any time before the book is printed in case she wants to add anything else. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use the code BIRTHFUL at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 10% off today. And we're back. And I said I had a bunch of questions for you. How did you know when to switch to pushing or how did that feel? It was, so when I got into the bath, it, there was no more um, pain. It was just really a lot of just pressure or uncomfortableness. This is a lot of pressure in the the, um, the back area. So I, the midwife was kind of guiding me through and, you know, she's sort of suggesting how to push you know, and to push with a contraction because that's, you know, if you put more effort into it that way, you're going to get more out of it. And then she was sort of explaining how the, the baby's head sort of comes, um, you know, it, it moves forward and then it goes back again and then it moves forward a bit more and then moves back again but doesn't move back so much. Yeah, I, call it, I call it the baby cha-cha. Yeah, exactly, cha-cha. <laughs> I like that one. Oh, one thing was when um, – so when her head 
came out, so it uh, would have probably just been before the picture you saw, it, um, she had a new call hand. So her hand was up by her face. Aha. She came out that way. So I think that's what the whole early labor was all about, the fact that she had a nuchal hand. Yeah, that, that her head wasn't putting equal pressure on the cervix, but actually her hand was kind of in the way you mean? Yes, yes. That's probably why the, the stopping and starting of the contractions and why they didn't, you know, speed up and become regular. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> so that um, was interesting. The student midwife actually got a bit of a shock when she saw that the nuclear hand was there. She was kind of like, oh, what do we do with that? But they didn't do anything because she just came out like that. <laughs> yeah. She just comes out saying hello, <laughs> waving <Yes>. hello. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the, the when her head was coming up because that reminded me of that awesome picture. And I want the listeners to go to the link or the picture that I'm putting on the show notes. We'll, we'll make it so that you guys can see it. It yes. is. I've never seen that picture before. It is. So you describe it. Uh, so it is Lily's head that's emerging and it's through a mirror. Um, and I guess the midwife is holding the mirror underwater and it's captured Lily's head. Right. Cause you're in the, in the tub and you're kind of like on your knees leaning forward. Yeah. So on my knees kneeling, that's how I did most of the pushing and I would sit down to rest in between contractions, but it got to a point where I couldn't sit down anymore because her head was there. Yeah. <laughs> But it is incredible because you're kind of, you know, you can see most of her head is out. And then there is, since you were leaning forward, as you say, the mirror is sort of underneath the water pointing towards the head so that the midwife could see it. But the photographer took the picture from above so you can actually see her face in the mirror. It's amazing that she was actually able to catch that photo. It was great. I think because they were doing checks a lot, um, like after each contraction, they would check the progress. Um, and they were doing a lot of checks with the Doppler as well on her heart rate just to make sure everything was okay. And when you say check the progress, were they doing vaginal checks or just looking with the mirror? Oh, it was all, it was completely hands off um, when I was in the bath. And they, they told me that they said they don't, they have a hands-off policy while you're in the bath until the baby comes out and then we kind of step in and help out uh, if necessary when, when the baby's born. And I think, yeah, because I, I said to, to reach down and pick her up but I couldn't actually, like I was holding onto the bath so tight that I felt like if I let go that I would just fall over. <laughs> so I think my partner actually picked up the baby and gave her to me um, and she didn't breathe straight away. She took a little little time to to breathe so they kind of rubbed her down with a towel a bit and got me to blow on her as well so to sort of stimulate I think the breathing reflex yep how did that make you feel uh I was a bit anxious in those few moments when she didn't breathe just a a little bit anxious but uh you know it kind of because you're in labor land so everything kind of happens in that slow motion time so I kind of just you know followed instructions and <laughs> uh, blew on her. And then, then it was that really slow cry that came out. And it was, just, it was, it was fantastic to hear that. Mm-hmm. I bet. Of course. And sometimes, yeah, it could take them a little bit to, and when we say a little bit, it's just, we're talking seconds, not, you know, maybe yeah. a minute or two and it doesn't, but 
you want to hear that cry right away. So sometimes that can be disconcerting. Um, but you, when you consider that they're going from a complete, like that's always so fascinating and amazing to me that they're going from being fully immersed in water, having all their nutrients and oxygen and everything coming through the umbilical cord and then ha- coming out to the world and having to quickly you know, develop this whole new learning to breathe and new systems come in and lungs fill up and air comes in and figuring out all all that being in the air world, right? It's exactly. it, it's a whole lot of things that need to happen. I think, yeah, and you could tell, like, the look on her face, she seemed a bit shocked <laughs> by it all. <laughs> so, but, yeah, yeah, exactly, when they come out. Yeah, yeah. So then, and, and then it's so sweet that your partner picked her up and handed her to you. Yeah. <laughs> and she got to cut the cord as well. So we um, had the delayed cord clamping. They didn't clamp the cord straight away, which was good. That's what I wanted. Um, oh, I guess the other thing was uh, the placenta. So I really wanted to have a physiological third stage. Um so when they when I said that they explained to me that they you know hospital policy was that they only allow you know 30 minutes and then they actually have to surgically remove the placenta or manually remove it if it, if it doesn't come out and I did not want anything like that to happen so they allowed me like 15 minutes to see if I would push it out but I think I was just so exhausted by then that uh eventually I just had the shot of oxytocin and I think they they actually pulled the placenta out, um, the midwife, the student midwife actually did it, pulled the placenta out and inspected it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, with that, I'm, I'm still trying to learn more about the fabulous placenta because it's, it, you know, the placenta is up in the uterus, right? And it's attached to the uterus. So it kind of, once it releases from that, it still has to get out from the uterus into the vagina and then come out. So sometimes it needs a little bit of help just going from the from the vagina to out, out to the world. So it, I'm 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 still not quite and I will ask somebody. I will figure out <laughs> this question at some point, but of of that traction there's a difference between, you know, I can feel that there's a certain tug of the placenta still up in the uterus and attached to it's just sitting there in, in the vagina and needs to come out that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? That it's just sitting there know. and it needs to be pulled, yeah. but just to somebody to go and get it in, but it's really not attached. I, yeah. Yeah. So I guess that was the only thing, but um, I think by that stage, I was just so exhausted. Sure. And, and when I read about it, like, because, uh, you know, I was a bit upset about that, but then, you know, I've come to terms with it and um, reading about it, it's, I think it's because of the postpartum hemorrhage risk that they're quite worried about, you know, uh, the laboring mother having a postpartum hemorrhage that they, they want the placenta out <laughs> quicker. Yep. yep. That's, that's uh, usually the, the reason. And Sometimes they get really concerned of that moment um, where, you know, the placenta is detached and all these blood vessels in the uterus are kind of opened and the uterus needs to reduce in size and clamp down to that, you know, like from watermelon size to a grapefruit. So if if it doesn't do it 
quickly enough, and it's hard to say what that quickly enough is. Mm. They get really concerned because that's a potential weakness, potential moment of where you know blood keeps coming out. Um, yeah. So it is common, but at least you had prophylactic. You didn't have prophylactic oxytocin, meaning it wasn't just protocol and we do it no matter what. She did wait and see to see yes. what your body would do. Exactly. Yeah, I was given that that chance. <laughs> if, yeah, that's true. You're right. Yeah, and sometimes, like, so let's recap. Your contractions started Wednesday. Did you say? Uh, so I think yeah, Wednesday morning. Uh huh. But it was like really early, like about three a.m. Okay, and then she was born Friday evening, Saturday. Uh Saturday morning at six twenty-six a.m. So that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, four days. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so, so that's a lot of work for the uterus, you know, also. You were tired, but this uterus probably was tired too. So sometimes that can be like, you know, the uterus has been working so hard that it's a little, uh, he, I don't know what they would call it in Australia. Here they call it boggy, meaning it's having a harder time just getting down to that size. Oh, right. So you think the long labor might have been the cause of the the not contracting as quickly to get the placenta out? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it just needed a little help. A little help. <laughs> a little help. But I mean, no, no kidding. It was tired. You were tired. I love the fact, though, and let's talk about this, that you, when you wrote to me, you said that your birth was, and let me find here, that it was amazing, incredibly transformative experience and yeah. that you loved it. And I want listeners to hear that you're saying this at the same time that this was four days of labor. Yes. <laughs> right. And and that that's because some because, you know, hearing it's four days of labor. The first thought is, oh, my goodness, you know, kind of shock. But the fact is that first day was kind of just doing stuff and walking and kind of every 20 mm -hmm. minutes and cramping and. Exactly. It was easing into it like a big warm-up. Yeah. Which, which I think is nicer because I've heard people, you know, they've told me stories of where they have, you know, a four-hour birth and it was just quickly thrown into these intense contractions. So I think a, a build-up is kind of nice too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you, so your water broke Friday at 10 p.m. and then she was born, what time was she born Saturday morning? Uh, 6.26. So, right. Eight hours later. Right. So that might have been more of your your active process. Yes. Yes. I definitely think from the water breaking, that's when the active labor stage really started. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So, Christelta, what would you say was the hardest part of all this? I think it was just the, the three days. Because once the water broke and I had that, that sense of um, things moving along, I didn't really have time to, to worry about anything or, or um, you know, have all those negative or thoughts going through my head. So, and then the, the three-day build-up was when, you know, you think, oh, is the baby stuck? What's happening? <laughs> so I think that, that, that real mental 
an emotional journey going through that three days was hard. Mm-hmm. And I had to really focus. What what would you recommend moms that are kind of to moms that are kind of having or will have that experience? Uh, acupuncture was really good for me all throughout my pregnancy and labor. Um, I really think that helped. Also, pregnancy massage when you're you know in the last few weeks of uh, pregnancy and you're huge and then you're all swollen. Um, that really helped because I had some some pain as well in my pelvis area, uh, so the lower back. So that that really helped release that, I think. And I think she worked on induction points as well, which mm-hmm. I think worked. <laughs> Do you think, did anybody mention anything about baby's presentation? Do you think maybe like you were having a lot of back pain, maybe she was posterior or any ideas on that? Um, at my midwife appointments, they did check the you know by palpitation feeling the head where the head was and she was actually saying you know the head was in a really good position because you you know the baby's head was engaged and it was so many fifths down um when I went to the appointment so I I don't know if they can tell I mean can they tell there's a nuchal hand if they feel um no so they I, I not necessarily the hand maybe I mean more like so with the head down and engaged, right? It depends yeah. if if she's facing towards your front or facing towards your back. So they, they could definitely feel that, couldn't they? That they they could get a better idea about that. Yeah. No, they 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 always said she was in a good position, so I assumed not posterior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, the other thing was um, when I did I did the calm birth course here in Australia. And that course um, just gives you all the basics of uh, having a baby and explains, you know, all the medications you can have uh, and everything. And in that, within that course, they had um, some birth photos of, of someone's uh, natural birth. And I just thought it was really beautiful seeing those photos. And, and that's what I wanted. And I think it really focused me on, on wanting to achieve that. And they also had someone come in. And and who had a, a recent birth, and she did it all naturally as well. And she actually had a lotus birth. Um, and she spoke, and she actually said that uh, every day she'd do a daily meditation, um, and that inspired me. So from that point on, I also did a daily meditation. So I think that really helped. Where I, I just found it on YouTube, you know, where they play relaxation music, and then they get you to say the the positive affirmations like you know my my body knows how to birth my baby and that and that type of thing mhm yeah and um and you mentioned also that you when things got really tough and you thought you couldn't do it or were doubting a little bit your partner focused you helped focus you and said you know she did believe that you could do this and then you started working yes. on a mantra of surrender yes exactly that really helped too. So you need to have that that support there with you. So whoever you can find to be your birth partner, whether it is your partner or a doula um, or any of your family as well, you need to have someone that, yeah, can can focus you like that because uh, I wouldn't have been able to get through it without her helping me along and, and refocusing me whenever I needed it. Yeah, I'm so happy that you were able to have a, a rewarding experience and that was how you you 
wanted it to be. I mean, it's always unexpected and, and you can't really define, right? I'm sure you weren't like, oh, I want four days of labor. But- yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of just have to accept that that's, that's your birth journey. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at and the at end. Point, I was so happy because at no point did I ever think or want, you know, felt like I needed to have an epidural at all or to have that sort of pain medication. So, I mean, that I'm really happy that, you know, I was able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything I was going to ask you, like what was most unexpected about the whole process for you? Uh, I think probably just the, the long early labor. I think that was really unexpected because everything else kind of went to my plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. though I didn't have a written birth plan. Um, yeah, I kind of just knew I wanted certain things like a water birth and that kind of thing. Oh, the other thing unexpected was I know um, most first-time mothers, um, you know, have the tearing, but that just really, like I had that as well, and it, I think it just really shocked me um, and having stitches as well. I think that was the most negative part of the whole experience. The repair afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. I found that really like, uh, I guess really horrible because I had to go into the, they uh, took me over to the, I guess the the day surgery part. And um, I was just so, didn't want to be touched in that area anymore because of having going going through the birth Mm -hmm. that the, the doctor actually said to the because the midwife, student midwife came with me, which was really good. She was so supportive throughout the whole thing. And she actually said to her, I'll give her the gas. And I actually had to have the gas to calm me down, to have to be able to stay still enough for the, the to have the stitches done. And was that how, how long between your daughter being born and how long, how, how much time had passed between when she was born and you got the stitches? I think probably an hour to an hour and a half. So I had to wait for the doctor to come in and, and do the, the stitches. So, and that seemed like it took a long time. Mm-hmm. But also I had the, the skin to skin. So I had the hour of skin to skin with her beforehand. So which was do, really- yeah. Do you have any idea how bad, like what the tearings have different degrees depending on how deep they are? Um, yeah. And um, the second degree tearing. So not so bad. Yeah, not so bad. But it is. I mean, so you've with the with the sensation of the contractions, like that has a rhythm to it that comes and go and you know when it goes it's gone and there's a flow to it and you can prepare to it. Whereas I find with the stitches, it's just disconcerting because you don't know when that's what's going to hurt, when it's going to hurt, how it's going to hurt and everything's very tender like you say. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Did you feel? Why, um, Go ahead. Uh, that's why I think because after that I felt like, um, I don't know. I had you know accepting that I kind of felt like my body let me down in a way um, that I because I tore after the birth. I went through this perfect birth, and then you know I had this at the end of it. So that I really felt like my body let me down. So it was kind of hard for me to accept that that had happened. And so when I discovered your podcast, and I think the very first episode I listened to was Protecting Your Perineum, 
Um, and that was, it kind of helped me realize all these different things, you know, like your body's actually designed to tear in a way to help. And that's, you know, the way you birth. Yeah. Tearing is very common. It really helped me accept that, which was good and move past that. Good. Good. And I am, I think it's important to make the distinction that you don't necessarily feel the tearing when it's happening. No, not at all. That's why I was so, uh, you know, surprised and shocked when they told me about it. <laughs> yeah, there's so much going on there that, you know, you, beforehand, it feels like, oh my gosh, that's going to tear. I'm going to feel it. It's going to be horrible. But there's so much other things going on that there's lots of blood in the area, meaning it's it's creating the tissues are more a little bit swollen so there's less feeling of the specific tear you don't you're feeling a baby going through you're not feeling the tearing happening <laughs> exactly exactly and uh, i guess just the sense of achievement that you feel after uh, birthing the baby and you know for days or even a few weeks after i could still feel that sensation of the head moving through mm. it's just amazing yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. So yeah, the stitching sucks. It does. That There's no <laughs> two ways about that one. But, um, and it's unfortunate that like, I find every place does it a little bit different. Like here in the States, they wouldn't wait an hour or so to do it. Um, they would do it right away. Right. And, yep. and sometimes like the midwives will stitch. Um, so it's interesting that all the nuances of the different places. Yeah, that they yeah had to call a different doctor and I think he was more the expert in stitching. <laughs> Good. Well, you got some really nice stitches, I am sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Griselda, is there anything else that you would like to share about your story and your experience? I think the only other thing was the, the postpartum period. So I think I prepared so much for the pregnancy and getting through the pregnancy and then for the birth, which was the main event. I didn't really prepare at all for the postpartum. Um, and I think that really, I was shocked by that, you know, having to look after a newborn. So, um, and dealing with, you know, the lack of sleep. And I still had a bit of insomnia after the birth as well. But um, I think I kind of over did it in the postpartum, like I got back to just doing normal things straight away instead of taking that time to to rest mentally, emotionally and physically after the birth. Um, and so that's why I was like, if I did it again, I would take that, you know, like saying the fourth trimester, really, really um, devoting that time to having that, that rest. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, so vital. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we just want to get to life as normal and consider that we're not quite doing anything when it's important to reframe that where you are doing incredible things. They're just happening. It's not your brain doing it. It's your body and emotions and, you know, other parts of you doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Because cool. I, you know, I didn't stay in the hospital. I was, I got released, you know, we went home um, the same day, um, about three, three or four o'clock that same day. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I felt like, oh, you know, you can just go straight back to normal. But no, it's like a whole new chapter of your life because you've got this brand new newborn baby to to um, hold and, and learn to love. <laughs> yeah. And that requires your attention 
constantly, night and day, 24 hours. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the breastfeeding, you know, the breastfeeding every two hours as well. I think that that was um, a new experience. <laughs> yeah. And I think just like with the contractions that we say every five minutes, every three minutes, but when we, what we mean is from the start of every contraction. So what one is starting every five minutes, every three minutes, it includes the length of it. So the actual resting time in between is a lot shorter, right? With breastfeeding yes. is the same. When we say every two to three hours means that the baby's going to start eating every two to three hours. Exactly. And if they take however long they take to feed, if it's 45 minutes, then you're starting again another hour and 15 minutes. Exactly. And then if you <laughs> needed to change and if you needed to, to change them and whatever it is, yeah, that, that, that time off time is really gets shorter and shorter. Exactly. That, that was a bit overwhelming, I think. Yes. <laughs> Very, <laughs> yes, you are correct. <laughs> so, but I'm glad you had such a beautiful birth experience. And I, I can't wait to that, you know, that the listeners can see the pictures and, and get a visual to go along with um, what they're listening because it was, it's, you can tell it was incredibly amazing and rewarding. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much, Criselda, for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. I think it's, it's really empowering for women to be able to, to do this. And so your podcast allows, allows women to do that and just provides so much helpful information for us all as well. Fantastic. Thank, I'm, I'm glad it does because that's, that's the point of it. That's what keeps me doing it. <laughs> Thank you. Mighty Ones, I love to hear from you. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, send me messages and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.